Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. Gordon Choir, grateful for that. <clears throat> Folks, uh, my wife has a business trip that she's going to be going to this morning, and uh, she said, whatever you do, do not do a two-hour sermon, so no thanks to me, but give thanks to, for God uh, bringing her into my life, and you get a pass this morning, amen? I can go longer, she can just miss her flight, and then she'll be mad at y'all, all right? Amen? That's better. Um, we're going to be sharing this morning about a fellow that um, we kind of know a little bit about. He's a guy that uh, went from being a basket case to a blessed leader. Uh, he, was, he was somebody that uh, the Bible talks about from the Old Testament to the New Testament. Now, I'm, there's going to be an image that's going to be on the screen, and I, wanna, I want you to tell me who this guy is, all right? So let's show that. Uh, who is that? No, it isn't. That's right. For most of us, we would sit there and say, this is Moses. Everybody knows that. You know, you look at him, he's got, there's a wall of water behind him. You know where that is. You've seen the Ten Commandments, the movie that, that uh, Charlton Heston was in. But the reality of his life is that it's far more complex. Moses' life is far more complex than just one image that is kind of burned into our mind. It would be like saying Hollis only fixes light at church, lights at church. Or Heron Schmidt is only the mom of three girls. Or that Paul Schmidt doctors animals and that only. Guys, it, it is much more complex than that. It is a part, but it's not the whole of the person. So when we think of Moses and we think of this event, there's a whole lot that is wrapped up in the life of this man, just like there is in your life as well. To kind of paraphrase Steve Martin, Moses was born a poor Hebrew child. He escaped death by Pharaoh's hand by being hidden in a little basket. You remember the story? He's put in a little basket. He is placed in the Nile River. And if you remember what, if you've ever been to a zoo, if you've been to the Houston Zoo, for instance, you'll go by the reptile part of the zoo and you will see, see Nile crocodiles. And guys, they are everywhere there. They feed on anything. He escaped death not only because Pharaoh had said all of these Jew, Jewish slaves are, are multiplying so fast, we're worrying they're going to take over, so let's start killing all the babies. Guys, I want you to know something. God loves children. He loves you. And He wants you to go ahead and be willing to love kids. A few minutes ago, Ross is up here leading music. He's up here, and there was this, I don't even who's, who know whose baby, it was some baby in here. It was, it was great. There's a baby that yells out, and I see about half of the choir who are following along kind of just do this. And I thought, hey, the Holy Spirit's here. No, it was the baby crying, all right? Let me share with you this. Babies that cry ought to be welcomed in church. It's a sign of life. 
There's a, ba- there, yeah, there's a baby right back there. If that's the hollering baby, God bless you. Please bring that baby back, all right? Wonderful. The only thing that grows without noise is a tree, okay? So we ought to enjoy baby. He was born a small child, hidden in this, in this little tiny basket, and he escaped death by Pharaoh's hand and by the Nile crocodiles. He was an adopted child. These are things that happened in Moses' life when he was small. He was raised in Pharaoh's court. And in spite of Disney, he was not in line to be the next Pharaoh. He wasn't. Matter of fact, what we know now, biblical scholars, this this happened about 10 years ago. How many of you all have ever been to Cairo and seen the, the, the pyramids? Any of you all in here? Okay, a few. Cairo has now grown all the way out almost to the pyramids. And there was a large parking lot that was out there for all the tourist bus that were going there. And it was so crumbly that the, the, the Egyptian Ministry of Antiquities decided to tear all that out and put a new parking lot for all the buses that were going to come. And when they did, guess what they discovered? They discovered, they tore it all out, and they found an opening. And they removed all the sand, and in that opening was a royal burial chamber, but not just for one person, but instead for a number of young males who all bore the cartouche, the little symbol of being of the house, I believe it was, of Ramses. What had happened is when a pharaoh would come and, and be in the, be, ascend to the throne of Egypt, he would kill off all of his brothers. You know why? Those were the guys that might try to poison or kill him to become Pharaoh themselves. And Moses was not one of the ones that was in line. Instead, he ends up being educated in Pharaoh's court, but not to become the next Pharaoh. The Bible says he killed a man. The Bible says he had a price put on his head because of that action. The Bible says he rescued women that were in need. And the Bible also says in the passage we're going to read this morning that Moses then hid out on the backside of a desert, depending on your translation, tending sheep for his father-in-law, and he would have remained there except for one thing. One day, he saw something that caused enough curiosity in his mind to stop and investigate It was a burning bush. And in fact, it's his meeting with the holy and living God. The same God that wants to meet you today. Let's read about it together this morning. In Exodus chapter chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. Let me invite you to stand. We do this to read God's Word and to honor the reading of God's Word together. Read with me. Now Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, and yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside now and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not being burned up. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. Then he said, 
Do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. Great story. Matter of fact, if you watch the Ten Commandments, you can see how Hollywood adapted this story. And actually, they got it fairly close to right. Let me share with you a truth out of it. When the whole world seems to be out to get you, so is God. God is out to get you. Moses was hiding out to avoid being killed by the ruler of Egypt. Now it's likely by this time in Moses' life that the Pharaoh that knew Moses had committed that crime was already dead. And the new one, listen, in Egyptian law, if, if, a, if a Pharaoh had passed a sentence, it became the law of God. And so if the next Pharaoh would have taken that same law that passed down to him, and it was his obligation to carry it out. So the death sentence for Moses is still in place. And he's hiding out in the backside of a desert to get away from that decree being carried out. And while he's still being hunted by men, Moses doesn't realize that he's also being pursued by And so are you this morning. God desires you to become a part of His family by adoption into it through the forgiving work of Jesus. And just like Moses, you are being pursued, but by a loving God and not by a heartless ruler. An unexplained event was the thing that turned Moses' attention away from sheep and onto something far more important in his life. This man that had eaten at Pharaoh's table, been schooled by the best tutors, was tending his father-in-law's flock. It was boring, it was lonely, and it was a lowly job, but Moses was doing it with excellence. The reason that the, that the Bible says that he's headed out to west of the wilderness means that there was not enough grazing area that the sheep could just normally be around the area that he would have normally inhabited. Moses was working hard at a job that most of us would turn our nose at. There's a joke in there somewhere, folks. Reach for it. And if you belong to God, no work is too menial or low. God wants you to be faithful in little things so that you will be faithful in the greater things to come. This church is full of folks that were born with almost nothing and have been blessed with a life that included hard work to a better reward. Be excellent in everything that you do. Be excellent in all that you try. Try your best. This isn't a coach telling you to do more. It is simply the way that you and I should live our lives because our ultimate arbiter in this is God, not your mom, not your dad, not your scoutmaster or anyone else. It is God who is looking at you in your every action. Just like that one image of Moses of Charlton Heston, your life is not composed of one event that makes you a success or a failure. God has been with you and has watched every single second and moment of your life. And the part that other people see, God instead knows what's going on inside of you as well. Be excellent in that. Moses knew things that burned would be consumed. But this one was different. 
So why did he step, stop then? If, it's really funny because when I was at Southwestern Seminary, there was a big argument about why Moses stopped to look at this burning bush. One professor said he stopped because a fire was a threat to the sheep. Okay? I can buy that. Because no one else was supposed to be around. And maybe instead there was a thief or a group of thieves who would try to steal or harm the sheep. That's a possibility too. A burning, talking bush though, folks, is something that you should never ever pass by. If you ever see a burning and talking bush, stop. It's worth the time. Because out of that bush comes the voice of the living God who begins to talk to Moses and tell him, you have more on your plate than just running for your life. So what would, what would God have to do to you to get your attention this morning? You see, God is trying to get your attention this morning. Every one of us in this room, God uses His Holy Spirit to call your heart, and that is miracle enough. But what would it take for you to wake up and actually listen to what He said? A miracle in your life? Maybe a cure or a reprieve or a promise? Well, God has already done those very things for you. He's given you a cure for sin. It was His Son, Jesus. He's given you a reprieve. Matter of fact, a reprieve means it's put off for a while. God didn't just give you a reprieve. He gave you grace. You remember grace? Grace is getting better than you deserve. He gave you grace so that you will never have to face your punishment. And then He did something else. Not only did He give you the cure or grace, but He also goes ahead and wants to get your attention by giving you the promises. A promise of eternal life. A promise of right now. This life right now on earth. Abundant life. Not boring, but interesting. If you're living, listen, if you're here this morning you're living a boring life, God's got more for you than that. Begin to explore what He wants you to do. Be like Moses. Stop when you see something unusual and take a close enough look at it and then as God begins to use that event to change and mold your life to being what He wants you to be, then He can go ahead and have the part of you that right now you're holding back from Him. A miracle in your life? Perhaps. What about the right lottery numbers? He had to do something to get your attention. Would the right lottery numbers help you? Now we're in a Baptist church. Baptist churches don't normally support the lottery. I'll share you with you this. The lottery is a really bad bet, folks. The numbers tell that. I'll also share with you, if you end up having more money, would that solve the issue of your life? You see, money isn't the issue in reality. It is how you use it that gets you and me into a mindset that if I just had more, I'd be okay. I'll say it again, lottery is a bad bet. Perhaps God needs to do a different type of miracle to get your attention. The Cowboys someday being in the Super Bowl. Alright? It's a miracle. Not today. 
Not today. Don't hold your breath on that happening. God has already demonstrated His desire for you. And while, you are, while you're still far away from Him spiritually, the Bible says He provided a way out of your sin through His Son Jesus, who died on a cross to buy your pardon and mine. That's a good bet. All He wants is you. And He wants all of you, including your wallet and your purse. You see, when God does get all of you, He has to, he, he has to have all of you. When He does get you, He wants to have all of you. Not just Sundays and Wednesday nights. All of you. All of the time. And no excuses. If you followed along in chapter 3, you'll find that Moses, after he hears God's plan, starts giving God the business about why this is not a, why he is not a good person to go ahead and invest as the one that is going to lead his captive people out of Egypt. No excuses. Instead, as God ends up sharing this with Moses, you would think he would go and say, man, God, I can't believe you chose me. How great. He would do like Mary does when she's revealed by the angel that she's going to be the mother of God. Yay! I don't understand it, but yay anyway. No, instead what Moses does is, you know, there are better people for this job, God, and it's really going to kind of cramp my style. Is there anybody else out there that thinks they'd be a better person? Anybody? Yeah, I've got problems, God, and I probably am not the best person for it. He begins to give excuses one after another. He begins to look for conditions that he can put onto God and to find a way out. Moses says no one will believe him. God tells him that God believes in him. Moses says he can't talk. God says he will send Aaron with him to speak for him. And oh, by the way, that's interesting because this excuse, if you follow along in the Bible, this excuse Moses gives, he never, ever, ever proves out. When he's standing before Pharaoh and Pharaoh answers him back, why are you here? I've got a death sentence on you waiting to be served. But just for my own amusement, I'll wait a minute. And instead of saying, Aaron, fire away, Moses simply says, let my people go. God says, let them go. He never allows Aaron one word. What is an excuse, folks? An excuse is a reason by the excuse giver to get out of something that needs to be done or for failing to do what has been commanded. Guys, listen. God doesn't want us to give Him excuses. He wants all of us so that He can pour Himself into us to get all that you have out for Him, not for us. God wants us to be a, a person that will listen, to, that He will listen to every excuse, and then He will answer each one of them. He will call your hand every time you try to give Him an excuse. The reason being, partial obedience is always total disobedience. This is a big one, folks. Make sure you don't miss it. God wants you to be willing to charge hell with a squirt gun if He tells you to. Trying to do some of God's will some of the time will get you nowhere near God's plan eternal, eternally. God had what he what we Mo, I'm sorry Moses had what we would call today anger issues. You remember this is the guy that 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 killed someone. 
He actually killed an Egyptian. The Bible says he killed an Egyptian that was beating a Jewish slave. Now after he is, he's killed this man, the Bible said he was so enraged, Moses was so enraged, that he raised up and he struck the man and the guy died. That's some, big, that's some pretty big anger, isn't it? Likely he didn't take a tool, it was likely his own hands. And he took this man out. And then the Jew that had been beaten, the slave that was being beaten, immediately, you would, look, if somebody is beating you, would you expect to be grateful for somebody that intervened and stopped them? You know what the guy says to Moses? He says, hey, you going to beat me and kill me too? That what you're going to do? You kind of you that kind of guy? Listen to me, folks. God called Moses to lead a people ungrateful like that. When God calls you to do something, it may not make the logical, rational sense in your mind. But in his economy, he was calling his people out of Egypt to fulfill a prophecy. Oh, by the way, a prophecy that would be reborn in the birth of Jesus Christ who had to go to Egypt to flee for his life and then be called back out as well. God's plan, listen to me folks, is not always detailed out for each one of us. This is going to happen and then when you do this, this will happen and this and this and this. God is not responsible to have to give you all of the information. He's God, you're not. What He does ask us to do is be obedient to Him. And partial obedience is always total disobedience. Obedience is static. You either are obedient or you're not. God wants you to trust Him because He is good. And His plan is to use you up so you can use Him up. This past morning, I was asked to make an announcement. It's a really good one. Did you see what Joe was doing up here with all these boys and girls? Did you see the wonderful mayhem that was happening? I always like to watch Joe because Joe's up here and he's, he's one of the most concise people that will sit. Everything is, is very, very well ordered like that in Joe's little world, okay? Everything. And after he was, he was talking about Bucky's, the kids were all engaged, but there were a couple of them that weren't. Okay? There's always that guy. Let me share with you. God bless the kids that are not engaged. Some of you this morning are not engaged. God may be calling you to His family and His kingdom, and you're kind of like, is this thing going to ever end? He said He had to go, leave early. I want to share with you, God wants you to be engaged in Him. As He's up here leading these kids... It reminded me of the fact that on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings, we could really use some folks that would help with the marvelous kids that we have up here on stage that you see every Sunday morning. What would it mean? Well, it would mean that you would be someone that would come in and fill in for someone that is sick that night or not able to work. It doesn't mean you're going to have to teach. It means you're going to have to be a helper. A helper. We've got two ladies that would love to talk to you about that. Jenna, right there, and Joanna up in the up in the choir. Here's the de- oh, up in the choir up in the balcony. 
Here's the deal. All you folks in the balcony, you don't get away. Because, well, Jenna's down there, and she didn't see me. We can't get it. No. Joanna's up there to help you. Jenna's down here. And what you would do is not only help out on call, and they would take your name. You might make it called for weeks. You might be called for this next, this next Wednesday. You would be able to go and invest what God has done in your life into lives of others. You could be like Moses. Or you could give an excuse. I'm too busy, I'm too old, kids aren't for me, all of mine are grown. And guys, listen to me. You are still breathing. You're still breathing. If God has called you and you're still breathing this morning, He still wants you. The living proof is you're about to draw your next breath. He can still use you. God wants you to go ahead and know that His plan is to use you up so you can use Him up. This is also a critical note. God wants to wear you out of trying to do His will and His work in your own power. You will be tired. You'll become discouraged. You'll become frustrated. And then you will become His when you have given up and given out of everything that your body and your ability can go ahead and do. When God has you stretched out finished up, and you have nothing left in the tank, that's exactly where God wants you. Because the only thing you'll have left is Him. Where He can go ahead and invest in you, and invest in your ability, so that His Holy Spirit and His Holy Spirit power will come to strengthen your life. He can use His vast resources to use you in a way that you never imagined. Like Moses calling down plagues on Egypt, or leading a fussy people that are not very grateful through two walls of water. That's just a little point of Moses' life. By the way, did you know Moses does an encore performance? Y'all know that? He did an encore performance along with Elijah in the New Testament. Jesus is talking to his his disciples, the three that he really enjoyed the most, Peter, James, and John. And he takes them on top of a mountain. And while they're up there, they see who? Moses and Elijah. I, that was a trick question, seeing if you're paying attention, all right? Moses and Elijah are up there. And Peter goes, hey, this is a great place. Since we're already here, let me make a tent for Moses and Elijah and you, and we'll all just stay up here and it'll be all great. And Jesus basically says, Peter, real life is over here. It's messy. It's dirty. You'll get hurt. But God will use you. It's time to come back off the mountain and get busy. For some of you this morning, it's time to go ahead and let God have not just the snapshot of your life, but all of you. So He can use you, use you up, so you can use all of Him up for the rest of your life. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for this time and thank You so much for loving us and giving us Your Son Jesus who bought us and paid for us. And this morning, if You use someone like Moses, God, if You can use someone like that to do a miracle, then our job is to say yes to You right now.
Part of that yes may mean that we go and say, I trust Jesus Christ as the one who paid for my sin. And I rely on nothing more than that. Part of it may be saying, I need to plug my life and plant my life in the church family. Not so that I'll be a member, but because you have called me that this is the time, this is the place. And it's not a burning bush. Instead, it is the quiet voice of God speaking to my heart that says, this is that place, this is that time, and your answer needs to be yes. The next few minutes, Lord, make our answer be yes. Turn our hearts to You. And I pray that You will do this in the wonderful and powerful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. And all of God's people said, Amen. Stand together. God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made. I'll be here at our altar. You come during this song as God leads.